0: hola como esta what is that the sound of spindrift, spindrift. only the best seltzer what's it a t-? real squeezed fruit a real squeezed fruit
1: soon to be a sponsor hopefully speaking into existence yeah uh
0: we're big fans of spindrift here so we're just hoping for a sponsorship
1: if, or if anyone just wants to you know send us some we'll take yeah us
0: we'll too. take spindrift as a form of payment no, well, no,
1: no, just like send it as like a Yeah, gift, as a gift
0: yeah. and partial payment. Okay, anyway, <laughs> we're back with another episode of Up In Your Business. Um, this one is with Ryan Giuliano from Howell Legal. Um, any entrepreneurs in Rhode Island may or may not know of him. Adam Alpert, if you're out there listening, obviously you know him. Shout out. Um, but Ryan's a, uh, an entrepreneurial attorney sort of here in Rhode Island. Um, obviously, we'll get into his interview after, but um we're gonna start with some news here yeah go for it
1: all right so uh being in Pawtucket, rhode island we are in the epicenter of the coronavirus Oof. uh outbreak right something, something Def- like that yeah uh people have been tweeting at tito's vodka oh yeah and they're saying that they want to uh they uh, think that they're gonna go to their local store and buy tito's to yeah. use uh as hand sanitizer stupid but uh i guess tito's Whoever is the marketing person or the social media person at Tito's, I give them so much credit because they've been replying over and over again how like uh, it says per the CDC, hand sanitizer needs to contain at least sixty percent of alcohol. Tito's handmade vodka is forty percent alcohol and therefore does not meet the current recommendation of the CDC. Yeah, please see attached for more information. So they've been getting hammered with this stuff, and then they have to no pun intended. Yeah, they have to (laughs) apply to like reply to every single one. That's talking shit. Jesus. And uh, that's just stupid. The best part is uh, a spokesperson for Tito's came out and said that it would be great for business if people purchase Tito's for a hand sanitizer. But they don't want it to happen because it's a waste to uh, or it's a shame to waste the good stuff. Yeah. That's smart. (laughs) I saw that. that Because they're like running out of hand sanitizer. That's what I was going to say.
0: Like vodka is way more expensive than hand sanitizer. I don't. I don't understand the uh the desire here. Yeah, me neither. Um just drink the vodka.
1: That's better if than If you drink the vodka, you forget you have the coronavirus. That is also probably probably true. Anyway. That's all I got.
0: Um so I'm just curious like when this streaming war is ever going to end. Who's next? I think we should just start streaming at this point. We should just come up with an <laughs> d- idea for because everybody and their brother is out here trying to do streaming. Roku is in talks for original programming, following the footsteps of Netflix and Amazon. So, Roku's still around. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what the? Fuck? I didn't even know they were still like doing anything. Roku's like the little like the little like um,
1: little boxes, right? yeah. Or they have them built into TVs now, right? But I always thought it was just the Fire Stick overtook all of that. Yeah. Um. I just, I don't
0: understand there's going to be a million streaming platforms. I just don't get it.
1: What like, Ooh, you know what we do? Start streaming. Consolidate all those streaming platforms and sell subscriptions to those at a low rate. How would we do that? Also known as how cable started. Oh, okay. There we go. (laughs) See? All right.
0: That's our new business model here.
1: (laughs) And we gave it away to you guys. Focus forward streaming.
0: Copyright, copyright, copyright. Coming soon. Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I just, I'm just shocked that every single company, I mean, uh, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Disney Plus, um, now Roku, uh, Apple came out with theirs. Um, Peacock was the other one that came out. I don't ra- even know what that HBO is. HBO or somebody did. Peacock was another one. HBO has their own, but like
1: take HBO for example, they're putting out, or even Amazon, like I've been watching yeah. the hunters, um, yeah hbo's mcmillions like they're all very well produced they Mm -hmm. spend a crap load of money yeah does roku even have the money to put out quality like viewing entertainment i guess you call it or quality like programming
0: roku is not detailed meetings. what type of programming they they don't even know what type of programming they're gonna do we can't we aren't creating any original shows i don't have any plans to do so are they streaming then they could be streaming
1: like sports and stuff but they already have they original programming. A big investment, no
0: guarantee of paying off. If you're spending under a billion, then you're not really in it," said one entertainment ex- executive who has not discussed original pro- programming with Roku.
1: Yeah, well, fuck it. Didn't Netflix spend like forty billion or something? And something Netflix like spent that? a lot. I yeah. hear. Yeah, in one year. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's silly. Like it's just becoming ridiculous. Like it's it's pointless. Like, is Roku even going to have a shot? I doubt it. No way. There's no way. People I wouldn't are,
1: buy a Roku when it was just a Roku
0: on the shelf. Yeah. The streaming services. Well, am well, i going to pay every it. month for that. I have yeah. Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, all the three of them. Or
1: I steal it from someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you got the logins. Exactly.
0: So, all right. Um, so get ready for this episode. Uh, really great conversation with Ryan here. If you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, um, you'll especially really like this one. Um, just a great conversation about yeah, yeah, yeah. some different business topics that aren't maybe as glamorous or sexy as, uh, you know, what what the actual business might be. Whether you're a photographer or, or, you know, you do video production like us or, you know, you're a bakery. Like, there's a lot to the business that people don't see. The whole legal side, you know, your structure, um, growing it on the back end, uh, there's a lot to it. And so... Um, hopefully, you guys get a lot of value out of this one. So. Yeah,
1: he had a couple of uh couple of answers to some of the questions we had that were yeah. completely out of left field. Like yeah. the way, like looking at it from his perspective. Yeah. God like, oh, damn. Like. That's, yeah. You know that's how it goes, and I think every small startup, every small business, they all go through these issues, mm-hmm. have these issues, they all go through these like problems, and yeah, gonna, or face these challenges. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's good to kind of. Get a little heads up if you're thinking about starting a business or, you know, get some advice if you're in the middle of it.
0: Yeah. So, um, hope you guys enjoy it and, um, let us know what you think. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. We are back with another episode of up in your business, your hopefully favorite business podcast. Uh, we're here with Ryan Giuliano and he is, what is your title?
2: Oh, it's too long of a title. Okay. So I'm the vice president head of platform, and an attorney at Howell Legal.
0: Okay, he works at Howell Legal, long story (laughs) short. (laughs) Uh, We met Ryan, uh, well, I met Ryan probably almost a year ago now um, at that Rice networking event in Cranston.
2: That sounds right.
0: And, And then a few months later, I think you reached out Need some video. I think there was something in between there.
2: Yeah, well, it's Rhode Island. We're yeah. All seeing the same people at these networking events.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um and then Ryan and, and Howell reached out needing some photo and video for their website. And um so we did that and now we're here in the pod. We've stayed in touch and kind of formed a little friendship here. So uh thought Ryan would be a cool guest. Absolutely. So, thanks Focus for coming forward in.
2: has become a friend of the firm. Yeah. As we <laughs> like to say. Cool
0: um yeah, so help
1: us with all our legal things
0: yeah you know? <laughs> anything legal uh so ryan we're going to start this off with our segment 20 questions okay um this is meant to be somewhat rapid fire so sort of don't think all just right. answer putting the filter down let's uh let's go for it all right <laughs>
2: that's
1: what i like to hear
0: favorite color navy blue favorite snack pretzels iphone or android iphone left or right right pick a number one to ten. Two. favorite number 51. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite drink? Old-fashioned. Iced coffee or hot coffee? Iced coffee. Steak or chicken?
2: Um, Tempeh. Okay.
0: (laughs) Oreo (laughs) or chips ahoy? Oreo. Uh, Favorite vegetable?
2: Um,
0: uh, Asparagus. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, Do you prefer to work from home or in your office? Office. Clean uh, oh, this is a new one, actually. I forgot I added this. Clean desk or messy desk? Clean desk. All right. Uh, your biggest inspirational role model?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, my partner, Ted. Great. Last time you ran a mile or close? A um, few days ago. Okay. Three days ago. Coolest place you've traveled? Um,
0: Madrid. All right. First job ever?
2: Um, I worked for my uncle who sold t-shirts at fairs. Okay. Yeah. Ah.
0: Cool. So you were just like a little helper.
2: Yeah. Well, I I was kind of a salesman. Okay. Sure. Nice.
0: Uh, last one. (laughs) Favorite day of the
2: week. Monday.
1: Monday. Really? Yeah. Mm, I'm a strange one.
2: Um, when you have two young kids, the weekends are much more exhausting than the weeks. <laughs> so Monday, when I when I either head out of the house and my wife's bringing them to daycare, or I, you know, get them into daycare, I get back into the car. I'm like.
1: <laughs> so, going to work is a vacation for you. Absolutely. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, that's
2: a world that I can control. Yeah, that's true. A four and a half year old and a, a 20 month old. No, you yeah. can't control that. One. No control there. That's yeah. funny.
1: I must say, the old fashioned calls. I was just going to say, show. that's Mike's that's, favorite. Uh, take one of those. I, I caught week. that. That's cool. Why number 51?
2: Oh, that was my number in football. There you go. Um, okay. um, I, I um, despite my size, I
1: actually played
2: center and middle linebacker in okay. high school and college. Oh, wow. Um, and um, yeah, that was my number. Cool. Did you so, play any other sports? Um, I wrestled, but because I was a football player, I was trying to keep as much weight on as possible, oh, and I'm okay. a tiny dude. So wrestling just kind of made made all the weight come off. Was uh, a lot. Also a golfer, too. So oh, golf-football combination. Not a common one, but yeah, yeah say, those are America my sports. Comes. Like and then I played. Too. I played rugby uh, in college, and Jeez. after when I was uh, a basketball adult. is
0: like the only one.
2: No, you well, I've actually started playing basketball the most. <laughs> okay, um, in my thirties. So oh, there you go. yeah, once uh, I had a shoulder injury from touch rugby a few months ago. Yeah. Once that heals up, I'll be back playing pickup basketball. Uh, I'm not good. Okay. But I have fun.
1: That's all. The
0: the old apartment I lived in. I don't know if we ever went to it. Went to it, but. My old apartment building in Providence had um, a, a full-size indoor basketball court. It's actually really cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we ever played there, but no, you great. showed it to me, but yeah, I don't know if you ever went in. I never got. To, I, it was one of those things that I was like really excited about, and I maybe used it once. I was like, "Yeah, my new place is so cool. Like, I got a basketball court and all this stuff." <laughs> There's I, some
2: kind of marketing lesson in there.
0: Yeah. Not sure what it is. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Uh, all
0: right. So we're gonna get right into it here. I got a list of questions and. A lot of times we'll kind of get off track and get on some other topics, but, um, how, how'd you get started in law? Like what got you into it?
2: Ah, <sighs> what got me started was being a sophomore junior in college and having a lot of anxiety about what I was going to do next, Sure. not knowing what I was going to do next. And then getting a lot of pressure from my Jewish mother saying, well, you might as well go to law school because with a law degree, you can do anything. Um, and then. I, I, I liked law school much more than I liked college. Okay. So I like, okay, I, I can do this. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I graduated in 2009, I got my law degree in 2009, which um, you guys might be too young to remember this, but there was a financial crisis. It was, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> that young. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was actually kind of wandering out in the wilderness looking for a job for a couple of years after law school, but, um, I found a job with a large corporate law firm and, um, the thinking of a corporate lawyer, uh, really appealed to me because okay. there is this abstract legal thinking that you do, but also very applied and on the ground. So it's, um, you get, you get the, the, the academic law element, but also okay. strategy and a, a little bit of engineering too.
3: Okay. So, so what'd you
1: go to school for and where'd you go? Originally? Yeah. Like yeah. Before
2: you went so to law school. I, I went to, uh, Cornell and, um, I was a public policy major there. Okay. Um, going back to high school, I didn't know what I was especially interested in. Yeah, so yeah. I like, I kind of like economics. I kind of like government. So like public policy was this overlap between those two. Um, did you ever think you'd be a politician or anything? um, no, because I don't compromise enough. Okay. Um, and and my, my unspoken goal now is to say as many things as possible to make myself unelectable, just in case I ever get tempted <laughs> to
3: run for office.
1: I don't want to do it. You seem like a pretty honest guy, and that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't really seem like exactly. politics yeah, at all. that's true. So. <laughs> uh, what, what,
2: what do you really love most about
0: what you kind of do?
3: Oh, that,
2: there, there are a couple of big, Um, elements of what I do. So at Howell Legal, I... Yeah, that's actually probably better. Yeah, Give us a little breakdown of what you do at Howell and what Howell does. Sure. So I'm in a fortunate position where I can kind of be a lawyer, but also wear a bit of a business hat. So about half my time, I'm spending wearing a lawyer hat where I'm advising um, startup founders and the folks who are leading businesses that are Mm -hmm. kind of off and running. The other hat that I wear is kind of working on the internal business of how Legal, our platform for doing what we do, gotcha. um, working with our strategy, optimizing our operations. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I, I kind of have that hat. So the fact that I get to straddle both yeah. um is really exciting. That's cool. So on the on the lawyer end, um I Am addicted to empowering people and there's a lot of different ways in which you can empower and you can Teach them help them understand concepts that are uh, Challenging to them that they don't know about sure. you can help them work through problems where they thought that there was some legal issue And they're really anxious about it. How can I make you understand this and then work through a solution yeah um and then when you're sometimes in in a adversarial position where you're negotiating a contract you're in a dispute with somebody yeah being a representative for them to get them into a, a help them get th- get through that challenging time yeah. so those are all different ways to empower folks and but yeah. the bottom line is empowerment is what I love yeah. um and then from the business side um it's really building something uh, that that wasn't there before and i'm sure you two can can appreciate this you know yeah. you you were two guys and now you're sitting in an awesome space with your own logo on your on your chest oh, we, we just got yeah. us
1: on a good day yeah we just yeah. came from a shoot so okay yeah <laughs> so you have to look professional we don't just wear these are yeah yeah, yeah.
2: do it during your own podcast like you've you've built something here with yeah. your own time and creativity and Ultimately, that's what building a business is. It's yeah. it's a practical creative exercise that um creates value for customers. It um creates value for employees if if you're lucky enough to be hiring folks, and then it creates value for you on the back end. And yeah. you know, the value that you create for customers and your employees, that I think comes first, and that's the most fulfilling mm-hmm. part. And then if you can you can win on those two fronts, the value to yourself is gonna come too. Right, right. Um right. so building creatively something that's practical, that's yeah. what's that's really thrilling to me.
0: That's cool. Yeah, and I think um what was the you told us a joke about the stereotype of lawyers. What what was the do you remember what was it a joke or was it a uh some saying about like the stereotype of lawyers and
2: Oh
1: um <laughs> I forget what it was. I'm still trying to get over the shipping container joke Uh, (laughs) before we're on the air.
2: Yeah. So for the benefit of your listeners, we'll do it quickly. Why do uh, the naval ships in Norway have barcodes on them? Uh, So when they return to port, you can Scandinavian. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
2: let us, you, let us you know laughed what you harder, think about that. Yeah. you laughed harder <laughs> us, the first time
1: <laughs> we well, did laugh um, the first we'll time we'll have the listeners vote on that yeah, one see yeah. what thank they you think. um <laughs> we'll i'll, I'll
2: have to try and remember what that the lawyer stereotype was it's
0: something something along the lines of you know lawyers get a stereotype and i think howell and you are kind of much
1: opposite from that stereotype of a, a lawyer who's dry and boring and well, then you also have dry and, bo- dry and boring, but then you have, like, those billboard lawyers, you know, that are, like, over-the-top, yeah. like, injury. and.
2: So, yeah, it, uh, maybe this is what I'm talking about, but, but maybe it's something else. But um, I think uh, there is a stereotype for lawyers being kind of like vampires, trying to suck as much out of you as possible, mm. sell you as much of their product, which is... Legal service, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. Um, rather than taking the approach of being a partner or a yeah. guide who just has a particular expertise in a, a certain area. So, yeah. you know, from our perspective, if if a, a client or a potential client doesn't need our help, they can do something themselves. We're going to push them to do that. You yeah. know, give them the information they can do to do that themselves. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like from a, a doctor's perspective, it's, it's if, if an over-the-counter drug is going to do fine, give them the over-the-counter right. drug instead of the, the prescription. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
0: cool. So you
1: talk about like building a business, mm-hmm. but then you're also worrying about your clients. How do you yeah. find a balance in between, you know, growing but still taking care of the people that you already have under your wing?
2: <sighs> that is the biggest challenge that we've faced. Um, for the first few years that, um, I was at Howell Legal, we really didn't do that business building at all. Um, we were, uh, just for tech- yourselves or for customers? For, well, no, for ourselves. Okay, gotcha. Um, we were technicians who had jobs working for ourselves. We didn't really have a business to speak of. And when I talk about a business, that means creating something that exists Independently of the people who are working in it, and doesn't depend on them. If Ted Howell and Ryan Giuliano, and I'm talking a couple years ago, disappeared, there would be no substance to how right, legal. Gotcha. Um, and we were focusing all our time and then some on just getting all the client work done, um, and we weren't focused on improving efficiency, improving the client experience.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, And that's a really dangerous position to be in for
3: sure
2: Um, So, you know, I have had to well We had to make a decision together about how to move ourselves forward to grow to mature Um, I I prefer the word mature to grow because Cancer cells grow, but it's not healthy Mm. Um, Mm. Growth for growth for growth's sake isn't the objective. The objective is to mature sometimes maturity Uh, means growth, but sometimes maturity means being the same size and just being better. Um, But to mature, you need to carve out the time. And it's just a decision you make. And you'll say in the short term, um, there might be some pain. There might be telling clients that they have to wait a little bit longer for their their work. It might be telling new clients that you can't start working with them for a month or two. Yeah. It might be backing away from networking events, but you need to carve out that space. Yeah, yeah. To work on your business, um, and then yeah. you, then you just just do it. So yeah. I, I and and you have to build a habit around it. So at this point, I, I have built that habit around it, yeah. where I I carve out um, a few hours a day where I'm saying this is just the cl- time where I'm working on client work, client projects to make sure that stuff gets done. Yeah and then i'll i'll leave the rest of my time in my day to work on the business. Yeah. Sometimes client needs really do ramp up yeah. um where i have to ignore the business for a week or right. two. Yeah, it happens flows. Um, but i'm really conscious and mindful of protecting the time that i allocate to the business. So if, if things are getting out of hand on the client side for a little while, i take a little hiatus from Either going to networking events, taking meetings, Mm. trying to get new clients, and I let things even out for a little bit. But I will say we're in this interesting position where the the service that we're providing is helping businesses who are in the process of growing, scaling, maturing on their own. And we're trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So every day that we are helping them, we get to learn from those businesses too. Mm. It's kind of like cheating.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like a s- test run. Not not a test run, that might be the wrong word, but you can kind of like see how different tactics are working for different companies oh, and yeah. then apply it to your we own. We have
2: a little active laboratory yeah, and exactly. that little active laboratory is our source of revenue.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> so we're really lucky about that. So in a way, the uh, client service and working on our business are really connected and, yeah. and don't don't necessarily have that separateness. It doesn't
0: make it very hard. It, it makes it less challenging to work on the business. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's cool. Um, so actually going back to our last sort of topic, I had just another point I saw relating to what you were saying about your time and helping people. And if they don't need it, then you're not going to sell them on it. Um, mm-hmm. You put out this interesting tweet actually um, that was something along the lines of like, if you can help someone with your time, you're not going to charge for it. And mm-hmm. I saw someone jump in and was like, Hey, you know, you should be charging for it. Why shouldn't we? Right. Can you expand on that a little? Cause sure. I, I never showed my,
2: so but. there, there are, um, I don't remember my exact wording, yeah. but what I was basically communicating was that, um, there's a group of my clients who, when I reflect, get a lot of my time that i'm not billing them for so it's kind of extra email answers yeah extra phone calls that i'm taking texts even um where uh, i'm not billing on them but i feel this strong internal pull to just help them because helping them isn't a chore yeah, yeah. and the reason that those clients get that time when I I think about it is because they make me feel like a partner, like somebody at the table with them, building this business, you know, their, their business. Right. And, um, I, I want my time to be valued. Yeah. Um, and you know, going back to the idea of, um, building a business where the gratifying thing is those those three pockets of value giving value to customers value to employees and then value to yourself you really do want to feel like you're not just selling selling things yeah. with, with no effect on the world you want if right. you want to feel like you have an effect on the world and yeah, we work yeah. with with startups who are are trying to change big things yeah and um, when we can feel like we're really, part of the team there and like we're valued
3: like
2: i want to give that yeah now there was somebody like you saw that um that response the person on twitter is like well if (laughs) if they're really valuing that time so much you should make sure that you capture it
3: yeah
2: um and you know you you do want to match your pricing to the value that you're giving um, or at least make it correspond Um, but at the same time, going back to my economics background, there's this concept called consumer surplus, which is what's the difference between the value that a customer is paying for something and how, how much they value it. And basically in a Mm. free market society, there should always be a positive consumer surplus. So like, you know, you have your, your sparkling water in front of you. You might like joke about the fact that it's. Uh, too expensive and what, like 90 cents a can if you're buying in <laughs> bulk. But like you're probably getting $1.50 of utility out of that. So that's 60 cents of consumer surplus. Okay. Um, but if you can create like that consumer surplus is just value that's flying around in the economy. That's like that is that is concrete um, improvement to somebody's life. Yeah. Like you are sixty cents better because you bought that can, and the the fine people at, at Spindrift <laughs> should should know that they they improved your lives by by sixty cents. Um, We've
1: been trying there, to get a sponsorship. It's a great advertisement. Yeah. Hopefully that helps right there.
2: Maybe I, I'm not supposed to to mention names, but you haven't turned your hands away from the camera no, anyway. You're fine. <laughs> um,
1: no, so you can mention Spindrift if it gets us a sponsorship. Yeah, yeah got, so it. It got it, got it.
2: All up in your business. Brought to you by Sprinter's (laughs) Marketing. Exactly, a real squeezed fruit. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I mean that's that's why I I give that um, that service away. I mean, and in the end, those customers are going to be coming coming back back. to you, and those customers are also your best marketing. Like,
0: yeah, ah, I think I saw you reply something like that.
2: I don't want to put a billboard up on right. 95. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's just like a waste of time and dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I can have clients who've worked with me right. raving about me, um, it's the best, ref- like,
0: it's like the best you, just like you said, it's the best marketing you can yeah. get. Cause like even in our industry, like the clients who are the happiest that, will rave about us on social media or to their other business owner friends. Like those are the best ones because we're just doing our job and then it's just spreading.
3: Yep. Um, Like,
1: for example, we just came from a shoot and there was a lady there that Mike met on a shoot for a different client Mm -hmm. uh, last summer. Yeah. But she had such a good time on that shoot that when she saw Mike walk in, she's like, oh, my God, it's you guys. Like she was excited that we were up on set again because she knew, like, I guess – you set an expectation because you know what sure. you're going to get.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so much talk with uh, technology products like apps about virality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's also a virality to um, service companies like ours. Yeah. Where it, it, if you can get clients recommending to other clients, who then have a great experience, you can recommend to other clients. That yeah. that's a, a flywheel that cannot be stopped.
0: Yeah, it's true. You know, you deal with like a lot of like you said small businesses and startups Mm -hmm. what do you see um, that you can mention like what what do you what are you seeing that is like a big common struggle for small businesses and startups and what's your advice to them about how to get over that hurdle
2: yeah it if there is one giant problem that i think almost all failed or struggling businesses have been common it is being solution-oriented, not problem-oriented. So building a business around the solution that they want to provide, coming up with that first, and then trying to find the problem to solve. So let me talk about what I mean by that. Sure. Um, if If any customer is going to be buying your product or your service, they have some unmet need. For you guys, it's tasty, sparkling water, right? (laughs) Um, But um, this is also, you know, our our world is just chock full of buying opportunities, no matter if we're talking about uh, from a customer's perspective, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of items in the grocery store. Um, From a business perspective, hundreds of thousands of photography and marketing (laughs) and videography companies. um, How can you break through all that noise as a business to um, get to a customer? And to do that, you, you really need to be tapping into some unmet need. And when I see businesses struggling, it's because they have decided that they want to offer some kind of product. Gotcha. But aren't tapping into something that's unmet
0: um, they're just sort of I think I get it they're basically saying like oh this is what we need to do even though that's not an actual problem sort of
2: sure well okay. it, and it may be a problem but if if the problem it, it's not only that it's a problem but that it's an unmet problem yeah because if if how legal decided to uproot tomorrow to Chicago and say all right we're going to be corporate lawyers in Chicago. There are hundreds if not thousands of corporate lawyers in Chicago. Why should anybody be hiring us as opposed to anybody else? Yeah, yeah. So there's a need for corporate lawyers. Sure. But there are already a ton of them. Right. Or even if we said, you know, we, we focus on startups. That's our distinctive um uh expertise if we decided tomorrow we're going to expand to boston we're going to be startup lawyers in boston there are hundreds of them there just because the startup scene is so much bigger right but we're in rhode island where there is a startup scene it's not huge yeah but do you know how many startup lawyers there are in rhode island you guys everyone who just sits in our building Mm. yeah so it's um for, for service companies in particular, um, I think it is absolutely essential to find a niche that is, if not unserved, um, could be, could be better served, but, but making that really concrete, Mm um, you know, it, it, For a business like yours, I'm, I'm curious what, what you guys have to have to say about that and what, what your perspective is. Um, what do you think distinguishes you guys from other photography, videography in the interview? Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, I think,
1: and we say it all the time. I think we're very transparent with our clients. We're very upfront. Um, mm -hmm. you know, exactly what you're getting, you know, your scheduling, you know, you know, where all your money's going, there's no just like, here's a, here's a number, you know, we break it down for them. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the client treatment overall, Mm -hmm. Yeah. and we've had experiences where we've, you know, been put in situations by other people that, you know, the client is getting treated that well, but they're taking it out on us because we're working for someone, you know? Right. Um, so firsthand seeing that, I think Mike and I, when we started the company, we were like, listen, we're going to make this focused on the clients where the client experience is probably the number one like most important like aspect when it comes to a project yeah i would say and obviously the final product but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
0: we try to make nice looking videos but uh (laughs) sure yeah i would say the service kind of like in a more broad term the Mm -hmm. service is like our biggest distinction because going off what mike said that's like the the top reason we started the company was we were working for a marketing agency we were both contracted by this company freelancers. And so we were doing video and we'd walk into these meetings and get our ass chewed out for like stuff that we had no involvement for in. Like the website right. or something, you know, yeah. and we'd be like, I'm sorry. Like I have no idea about your website. Like I just do video yeah, and like I'm a freelancer. So mm-hmm. like I have no idea what's going on with your website. And so after a while we were just like, this is crazy. Like we started like maturing and learning using your word there. Uh, just learning like, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on here that like we're not aware of that's like bad. Like, mm-hmm. we, and so anyway, so that's why we left and we started this company. And like our goal was like the client is like the top priority, Like right. Yeah. We're going to deliver great work, but like at the end of the day, like we're going to make sure they're happy, the service, like that's all like our biggest priority.
2: And, and for you guys finding clients who have, who are Prioritizing that piece is gonna yeah. be essential to cut through all the noise because there are right. a lot of folks doing what you do Yeah, and it, and it's not you know your work isn't cheap. You can't commoditize it Yeah, it's somebody and, needs to be holding the camera somebody needs to be doing the editing
1: Right a lot of people don't know exactly how much it actually does cost to sure. do something what we did to do mm. something like what we do Yeah, right but going back to what you were saying um, Kind of along your line, did you consciously you and Ted Did you consciously go after the startups to begin with, or did they fall on your lap?
2: So the, um, our place in the startup market here really started with Ted. Okay. Um, he got involved in the startup scene about 10 years ago when it was really starting to pick up. There used to be a, a, well, they're still kind of here, but there was a, a pretty large startup accelerator, um, called beta spring here. And, um, they brought. Beta Spring brought uh, dozens of startups uh, within a few years to Rhode Island, Mm -hmm. and they were looking for a couple of corporate lawyers to help out their companies. And Ted was one of those, so he got kind of got in on the ground floor, um, and he had been doing that work for a while. Um, So, you know that that niche was something that. Predated how illegal he was with another firm. Gotcha. When he was starting that startup work Um, He ended up breaking out on his own because he realized that that firm which was uh, a larger more traditional law firm wasn't really structured for um, How dynamic startups are? Yeah, Um, their expectations in terms of Technology being used by their service providers. Yeah Um, and also larger firms, what they want are, um, sustaining clients. So large clients that they can count on for $25,000 plus of, uh, receivables a year, a startup, you know, you might do their formation for a couple of thousand dollars, but then who knows if they're going to survive six to 12 months to get a round of financing and go on from there. So some of our clients end up being sustaining clients, but out of 50 startup clients, we don't know yeah. which 10 of those are okay. going to be around in a year or two. And we don't know which five of those are going to be like, have a lifetime value over 50,000. And right. there are some, uh, and, and based on the numbers, we, we know that they come along. Yeah. Um, we just don't know which ones of those are going to be.
1: So how do you vet that? Or do you just take on everybody? And well,
2: and that's that's one of our competitive advantages. Uh, we don't that. have to vet that.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, because you're the only ones in the state. Yeah, yeah so
2: so we can um, we have a low enough cost structure that we can service really all of those clients, okay. and we don't depend on getting clients that are going to be doing big deals later down the road. Yeah, so, I was going to
0: say that kind of goes to show like that you guys have like a real passion for it Mm -hmm. one and kind of like sets you apart. Like you're willing to just work with people. You're not worried about like, Oh, is this person going to give me money for the next five, 10 years? Like, am I gonna, is this a source of income forever? You're like really into it.
2: Yeah. If you're thinking about your business, you do at some level need to think about, um, the lifetime value of the customer versus the cost of acquisition of a new customer. Um, you know, if, you're, if, you're, <laughs> if your business is under a certain size and you're, uh, your offering is strong enough, you don't necessarily need to be cracking hard numbers, but you should think about that framework. Yeah. What's a typical customer? What's the lifetime value? And then based on all of your costs, what's the cost of acquiring those customers? Right. And if all of our startup uh, customers were going to be failures, right. um, or, or just kind of float along and then, you know, slowly wither away. Um, we probably couldn't survive. We right. need a few of them to break through and do some big deals. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll you know, try, we'll try our best. <laughs> just <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, well, but, but then part of it is diversification of clients too. Yeah. So we have a lot of high risk startups that are working on a technology product that, May not panic. Yeah. Then we have a bunch of clients that are more traditional, uh, some you might call lifestyle businesses, but um, not necessarily lifestyle businesses sure. um, where folks are working hard, but they're not taking outside investment. It's not necessarily yeah. a technology company, something like you guys. Yeah, yeah. Where you do have a steady streamer of revenue. Um, and we throw a few of those into the mix with our startup clients just to kind of even out yeah, the curve. Yeah. So, you know, having some having a, a well that you can go back to is also yeah. really helpful.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Um, so this question is sort of like to scratch my own itch, but I was getting into a debate with a, a good friend of ours, um, about a week ago at a, uh, get together and he was telling me the difference between an LLC and an S corp. And we were, it was the end of the night and we were getting a little heated and I was like, I'm yelling, I'm yelling at him about what it is. And he was yelling at me. And so for everybody out there, let's, Let's break it down. Can you give us the difference between an LLC and an S corp?
2: How much time do we have? <laughs> um,
3: Fifteen minutes.
2: Got it. Okay, so I'll give you the quicker version. An um, L. Let, let, let me think about about. Yeah, sorry, sorry. The quicker version takes a lot more mental energy than the long <laughs> version. take Um, the
1: Stephen King novel and turn it into a Dr. Seuss book for us. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) That's a good one.
2: Um, So uh, you can can form an entity Mm -hmm. um, in a couple of different forms. One is an LLC, one is a corporation. And then you also have a choice about how your entity is going to be taxed. Mm -hmm. And a corporation can be taxed as a C corporation or an S corporation, an LLC can be taxed as a partnership, an S corporation, or it can elect to be taxed as a C corporation. Okay. So there's there's this like matrix you need to be like envisioning in your mind because there's the taxation question, and then there's the like corporate form gotcha. question, right? Your formation. Um, yeah, so LLCs are, have fewer default rules and are a little bit more flexible on the mm-hmm. corporate side. Corporations have more default rules and are a little bit less flexible, but because they have more default rules, they're a little bit simpler to Im- implement. Um, so that's kind of the, the high-level framework of the corporate form piece. Sure. Then there's the tax piece, um, and it's probably best to start with how a C-Corp is taxed Um, It has two levels of taxation. So if the corporation, the company overall, has profits, those profits get taxed once. And then if the profits get distributed out to the stockholders, they get taxed again. So there's a double layer of taxation. Um, And as a general rule, you want to avoid that. Yeah. there are reasons why you might want to be in a corporation, but for businesses that are more like ours, we, we'd want to avoid that. Yeah. So, um, you can opt to be taxed as a partnership, but only if you're in an LLC. Yep. Uh, and that means that the IRS looks through the company, pretends it's like not there, and taxes every if their profits taxes the owners. As if the income was just coming to them directly. Right. There are complicated rules about how that's divided up, but it's basically like the profits are split up as if you're taxed directly. Gotcha. The problem is that you're taxed on all of the profits um, with a self-employment tax, which is a few percentage points. Yeah, Um, a few. (laughs) Now, an S-corp is kind of like being taxed as a partnership, but the profits are not subject to self-employment tax. So right. you might be able to save yourself a few percentage points. Yeah. There are a couple of other catches. Um, like if you're an S Corp and you're an owner who works in the S Corp, you need to pay yourself a reasonable wage yep. on W-2, yeah. which are then subject to payroll taxes. Yeah. So you kind of like pay back some of those percentage points. <laughs> yeah. But in an S Corp, if you can get profits that exceed your reasonable wage that you have to pay yourself, you can save yourself those self-employment tax points that okay. you would have had to pay in the partnership context. Yeah. Gotcha. That's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's that's literally as quick as I can make it. Um, <laughs> There's so pl- many layers to that. Yeah, that yeah I like there are. I, I think-
0: Cause it's I, not just one differentiator between each one. There's I think at the things.
2: end of the day, my most practical advice is if if you are just getting started um probably to so and and this is uh you know every situation is different this isn't specifically legal advice to anybody of course yeah a little disclaimer when, when i come in with a uh, a business kind of like yours that's going to have cash flow up front isn't trying to grow huge by leaps and bounds immediately. Like I know you're trying to grow. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. You're, you're not trying have to have money, explosive though. growth. <laughs> um, I would say do kind of the simplest thing first, yeah. which is probably an LLC taxed as a partnership. And then once did. you start to turn a profit, um, talk to an accountant, you can always go back to an S corp.
0: So we did. So we did we started as an LLC tax as a pretty sure as a partnership. As a partnership, yeah. yeah. And then uh a little over a year ago we were we start we switched to an S Corp. Okay. So that was good. Okay. Anyway, the debate my friend and I was actually got into was um the only topic we didn't really just discuss, which was like the liability aspect. My friend was yes. trying to tell me that as an S Corp, um and and you might end we might end up cutting this, but it's more just for my own fun. But mm-hmm. he was basically saying like, Oh, if somebody sued you they could come after your business assets or if they sued the company, they could come after your personal assets. And I was like, no, that's wrong. That's why we're an S corp where they're two different entities. They so can't
2: in both. So if you're either a corporation or an LLC and regardless of what tax selection you make, uh, those are all limited liability entities. So if the business gets sued, um, and the business doesn't have enough assets to cover its liabilities, you would not go through to the owners right. it's it's a container for the liabilities yeah and likewise if a owner gets sued for some personal thing right you know car you hit, accident you hit or... somebody with the car your car on the weekends yeah. they they could go after potentially your ownership interest in the the company but like not yeah. the company's assets okay. itself um so long story short for liability purposes, no difference between LLC and S corp. Really?
3: Yes. Oh, it so like it's a
1: draw on you and your.
3: So it's a draw. Argument. He's not right, and
0: I wasn't right. Okay. I said that the corp. I said an S corp had more protection. He was saying that an LLC had more protection. You're both wrong.
1: Damn it. <laughs> That's straight from the lawyers. Shoot, mouth. sorry. <laughs> well, all right, so we're next talk- question. Does it no, make you kidding.
2: feel better to say that you're protected in? Uh, yeah, like
1: yeah. The- I we- knew I
0: was protected, but I swore that an LLC was less protection because I don't know. We can cut all that, and
1: you can just say an S corp is protected. Right? You can- <laughs> we'll just send that clip. To yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you guys are the editors. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yours. I'll mess around your words so it makes it say something. <laughs> Fake but news, <laughs> so we're talking about like. Uh, like all the different types of businesses um Mm -hmm. and all the taxes Rhode Island last year was voted the worst spot to start a business like the worst state in the whole entire country to start a business due to like the taxes and just like yeah yeah from yeah and so like do you see that from a startup perspective and what do you think they need to change in order to kind of help Help out startups and help out small businesses because you see you see the businesses leaving all the time
2: Yeah, I I have lots of thoughts on this Um, But my my bigger thoughts kind of go to the question fundamental Assumptions that are underlying the question and that perspective. So I, I think I know what article you're talking about um, and I think that things like that are an attempt to quantify things that are not quantifiable and are also kind of irrelevant because nobody's just like wandering around above the U S in a plane being like, all right, where can I parachute down and
1: (laughs) start this business, start a business?
2: Uh, what's really happening is people live where they live and are deciding should I stay where I am and start my business or should I maybe move somewhere else where I have a compelling reason to live and start a business there
1: or get a PO box in Delaware?
2: That's, that's something entirely (laughs) different. (laughs) That's Um, a whole nother day. Yeah. So you can start a business in, in, uh, that's organized in Delaware, but be operating from Rhode Island. That's, that's something totally different. I also think that that's something that that article confused. Um, so for for my perspective the question is like um is this an attractive place for people who are already considering Rhode Island and is it an attractive place for people who are already here about to start a business mm. and to me the answers to those questions are yes and a large part of it is how great living in Rhode Island is mm. um you know, there there are things that could be improved. I, I think the state um, income and corporate tax rate um, could be a little bit lower to make things more attractive and to make us yeah. a bit more competitive. Um, I, I think that um, some things from a regulatory perspective could be a little bit easier and more streamlined. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have um, a relatively approachable secretary of state if you need to do any filings. yeah, uh, And they've put a lot of effort into streamlining processes. Uh, I think the division of taxation is a little bit difficult to work with, and um, they need to, to modernize a little bit. Um, that's, that's one of the more challenging things. Um, but I think kind of getting back to your question of what needs to be done, um, I think more about like what barriers can we take away rather than like some imperative of having to do a bunch of stuff to achieve some ideal business environment. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the reality is we're a state of more or less a million people with a city that has more or less one to 200,000 people. Um, we are what we are. We're not going to be Boston. We're not going to be New York. We're not going to be San Francisco, um, but it's a good place to live. Yeah. And, I kind of take the, um, the Dr. Ian Malcolm philosophy, like, from Jurassic Park, where he goes, uh, you know, after they're stunned that the, the dinosaurs have figured out how to mate, he goes, <laughs> life finds a way. Business finds a way. Like, okay, this is the worst state in the country to start a business. You can say that, fine. But the three of us sitting around here I'll have young growing businesses in the state, we chose to do it because entrepreneurship, I think, is in the human spirit. Not everybody is born to be an entrepreneur, but entrepreneurship is a natural phenomenon. Entrepreneurship finds a way. Um, We, working with all these small businesses and startups, see businesses finding a way every day. Um, I think... There are little incremental things that we can do to make things easier and to make those businesses flourish, to make the marginal person move to Rhode Island. That would be great. Um, but do I think this state needs some um, overhaul or else it's going to fall off of a waterfall? Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. I mean, even with the community that I've gotten to know through Focus Forward is, you know, like this province community. It's Mainly Providence, I would say, like all the meetups and like how tight knit the whole community is there. Mm-hmm. You know, like Mike's had networking events all the time. Like it just goes to show you that there is a solid core of yeah. people that are here to help to kind of get the startups going and moving. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. I do see where you're coming I, from. I like
2: to say, you know, that it's almost like a there are a couple of analogies that I have. I mean, one is like this is kind of like an incubator city um where kind of smaller things can flourish and things that are going to be huge can start um you know i i also say this is a place where real things happen you know it's we have major institutions brown RISD um that are world-class um but all, and, and there are major companies here too, but um, it also feels like a small town. So we yeah. have that, that community feel to it. That's, yeah. a, that's
1: a good way to put it. Um,
2: and, and, you know, I love that. I, I yeah. think with a personality type like mine, yeah. I, I feel like I would drown in, <laughs> in a big city. I, I, I started my career in New York. I was in Palo Alto for a little while. Um, cool. But this place feels right for me. It's, yeah. That's the other thing. It's. I I I call it a Goldilocks city. Um, I know we're technically in Pawtucket, but I think of like the greater Providence metropolis. Yeah, it's a Goldilocks city. It's like it's just right. It's it's big enough, <laughs> it's, uh, um, yeah. and there's there's not too enough big, happening. Not too small. Yeah. yeah,
3: I like
0: that. You kind of touched on it earlier, but um, what are some general like challenges that your firm faces? I know you mentioned one, um, but what are some general challenges you guys face, and like what do you kind of do to overcome those. Um whatever you feel like sharing.
2: <laughs> sure. No, I the the biggest challenge we're going through right now, we're in an expansion mode trying to hire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um and we're in a field that is relatively specialized and there aren't that many folks that have experience doing what we do. Certainly not in this um uh this market, Rhode yeah. Island. Um, and then you can look out to New York and Boston, um, but you either need to find a remote situation or convince someone to move up here. (laughs) Um, so, you know, that's, that's somewhat of a challenge. Um, and we're going to kind of have that challenge as we continue to expand. Um, but it's, it's a fun one. You know, if, if we can, in growing our business, have a great lawyer stay here or um, attract someone from Boston or New York. I feel like that's a win for the state.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: So, uh, and more, more generally though, we're trying to find someone that we don't really have to train. There are plenty of people that you can hire closer to the entry level. Um, And I, I would imagine you guys are going through a similar thing, but you know, you need to hold their hand, yeah. and right now, the the with the problems we're trying to solve, mostly leading projects for for clients, um, it doesn't make make the problem any better if we need to train somebody up and hold their hand. Yeah, we would love to get into a position at a little bit more scale where we can systematize a training process to bring somebody up up to speed pretty faster, but yeah. pretty fast. But uh, right now, we need someone with. Four years or more of experience—that yeah. could be tough to find.
1: It's kind yeah. of like a project manager in a way. Exactly. That right?
2: Exactly. Mm. Um, so that—that's one thing. The—the um, the other challenge that we have because of the the nature of our business, we do have to have a lot of clients at once. Um, we send out about sixty separate invoices a month, so sixty Whoa. projects that we're we're touching. Um, over the course of a six month period, we have. Between 100 and 150 active clients for three of us. Yeah, yeah that's so a lot. Like oh my so God. managing projects, managing client relationships—that's um, a real challenge. But yeah. it's such a challenge that it makes this business hard and lets us kind of be alone in being able to do this. Um, wow. So you know, <laughs> it's Holy a challenge, God. but it's also a moat. You know that like around our little castle over yeah. here,
3: um,
2: which would make it hard for somebody to just drop in and be like, oh, I'm a startup lawyer now. Like, good luck managing 50 <laughs> clients at a time. Oh, you can't get manage 50 clients at a time? Well, then you probably won't survive because you won't have enough good right. ones on the back end. But managing all that is a, is a big challenge. And yeah. um, we, yeah. part of my job is um, working on our systems to manage those projects, manage those accounts, um, so that we stay highly engaged despite the fact that we're juggling dozens of projects and, and almost as many clients at a time. So yeah, hiring and then managing a lot of stuff.
0: That's so much. (laughs) That's like, is a person you're looking for like a project manager or have you thought about getting somebody that that's all they do is.
2: Yeah. You know, there, there isn't for, Legal services project manager isn't really a, a role, it's something that people get trained in. Um, the
0: it's not as similar as like
2: project a manager, project manager role, account manager, and individual contributor are all kind of wrapped into one, and you kind of develop all three skills as so you continue uh, to move all, up the ladder. Yeah, where like you kind of start off only being an individual contributor. Then you get some project management skills and then you add some client management skills. Um, but yeah, so the, the mid-level kind of person we're looking for at bigger law firms, they are essentially their project managers where they're managing projects and managing one or two other associates. And that's, that's what we're looking for people to do for us.
1: And coming from our end, like say we hire someone and if it doesn't work out, like, all right, maybe they edited a project wrong, and the video didn't turn out how we wanted. And we had to go back and re-edit it. Mm-hmm. You hire someone, and it doesn't work out. They give bad legal advice. Then that, you know, that can snowball effect. I feel oh, yeah. like, and like I think, it's much for more you, of a problem. Yeah, it's more of a risk to hire. I feel like for someone in your position. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, like, you're. It's, the name on the building. It's like, you guys have to protect that. Yep. Like yeah. It's number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like we can reedit a video, but you can't, I, I guess, depending on what they, this person messed up on a lot of the, like, I know it's a general kind
3: of, uh, right. Yeah. Right.
2: And, and, and if something, uh, you know, some of ours can be like buried landmines from, from old wars where we only notice a problem two or three years later. Um, so when we hand something off to somebody, we really need to be able to trust them. So that's, that's the other thing with training somebody up. It's not just, you know, you'll get feedback immediately on uh, a video or, or set of photos, but we won't get that feedback immediately. We may never get that feedback, Um, but that's (laughs) in the end, that's what corporate lawyers are doing. They're prenuptial agreements. Um, and, You know, sometimes the divorce never happens and you never look, look at the contract again. Yeah. But when, uh, people stop playing nice and start getting real, that's when they like dust off the old contract that we worked on a year or two ago. (laughs) And like, wait, why does this provision say this? Oh, this is terrible for us. And then you like look over it. Steve over there who, who let it slide. And you're like, why are you? He's like, out, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's but two years ago, <laughs> exactly. So, but you, you need that person to be, uh, super confident. So yeah. sometimes it's hard to push people along and uh, throw them into the fire. Um, because you either need to make sure that they're ready or you need to be directly supervising. Right. And like, if you're, that takes a lot of time to do Exactly. That. There's redundant effort. So right. finding that balance is really tough.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, you deal with tons of s- small businesses. I'm sure a lot are some of them partnerships or business partners. And I'm sure some have been great and some maybe you've seen that are not so great. What, mm-hmm. what kind of advice do you give to business partners or partnerships or kind of what are your thoughts on about that?
2: how to work together or yeah
0: overall? But yeah, I guess like, cause it, it's difficult, you know, both and I, both of us were, solo before and um yeah like it's definitely challenging becoming you know going from making all the decisions yourself to now you have to consult with somebody but also there's the positives of sharing responsibilities like Mm -hmm. now I don't have to do this or right now he can take care of this and I don't have to take care of that whatever you know
2: yeah business partnership is is kind of a bizarro marriage yeah yeah um because you can you can be attracted to the person, like think the work that they do is cool. Right. Uh, you can be, uh, you can like even even love them, <laughs> and and really think that you should work together and be excited to work together. But like the reality of working together on a on a business, um, it's it's tough. And I, I admire the working relationship that you guys have. We try. Where I, uh, yeah, right. I, I, I we have think the same name. <laughs> so, <laughs> you should just be focused forward, Mike. Mike and Mike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was already done. Um, so, uh, being clear about expectations, I think, is absolutely critical. Um, being open with communication is is tied into that as well. Yeah. Um. I I think when I see some of the partnerships that go sour, um, it's almost always because communication Mm -hmm. either didn't happen up front or wasn't happening along the way. Consistently, yeah. Um, and yeah, one, one of the, there are a few buckets of things that we work on pretty commonly. One of the buckets is founder breakups and those are some of the toughest because you have... You have like best friends who yeah. are gonna end their friendship now because this business partnership didn't work out, and it it is really tough. Yeah. Um, so part of part of what I would advise up front is really thinking twice. You know, yeah. like it's almost <laughs> like the um, are you sure? <laughs> you know, some religions you have to go through uh, a program with your local clergyman before you get married. Yeah. Like, yeah. You should almost have to go like through a boot camp together <laughs> to really make sure that you want to do this together, yeah. understanding what your roles are going to be, understanding what you want from this business together mm. and understanding what you want to get out of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because um, if your goals aren't aligned, that yeah. sets up for like a bad future.
2: The, the, the universal failure that I see in almost all of the founder breakups is a feeling that One founder is, or or partner, is contributing out of proportion to the other person. Sure. And the other person is thinking, well, I'm contributing exactly how I expected to contribute the whole time. Right. Um, So talking about things like, are we going to work full time on this? Right. Um, How long are we going to be working full time on this? Are we working part time on it for a while, and then when are we going to click over to being full time? Yeah. What are our roles going to be? Um, this happens. I I don't know if you have listeners who are students, but student entrepreneurs. That there's almost always a shakeup in yeah. in the founder partnership structure because you know they're at the, at the beginnings of their lives. Yeah. And. One person from the team, two people from the team, maybe gung ho about graduation day hits. I'm doing this full time. right? But then somebody else is like, I've got the sweet internship at Google. I'm going to take that.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and then there's, there's a breakup. So being super clear about expectations yeah. uh, and expectations through the future is really important. And if you could write it all down, that helps. So we're yeah. not, you know, arguing about the said, past. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, expectations, the yeah. biggest
0: thing. Sounds like a, a lot of it comes down to, even with expectations, is communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got through everything I wanted. Yeah. I'm good. Great.
1: Yeah, thanks you awesome. for coming awesome. Yeah, thanks Appreciate a lot. I know we had to push it back a couple times. Yeah. We apologize. it's yeah. all yeah. on us. Oh, it was my pleasure. Appreciate
0: you being flexible. Give yourself a little shout out here if people are looking for advice or if there's anybody out here who needs legal advice or has a startup and... You know, has questions. Ryan's a great guy; he's pretty approachable.
2: Thanks. You can <laughs> check us out at Howell H O W E L L Dash Legal dot com. Um, we work with high growth startups to small businesses, mid sized businesses. Feel free to shoot me an email. My contact info is on there. Um, mm-hmm. We're happy to have a. 30 to 60 minute consultation with anybody to see yeah. if and how we can help. And usually you get a little bit of free advice yeah. out of that. Yeah. Um,
0: He'll also offer you water or beer.
2: That's He'll right. Be
1: to Take a beer that's when you right. walk in.
2: And I do have sparkling water. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have, <laughs> I don't have I don't know, sparkling have, water. Uh, right we'll real sweet have spirit. to send
1: you a pack. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, and Once
1: they uh, sponsor us. Uh, yeah.
2: Feel free to follow me on Twitter. Yeah.
1: Ryan's
0: cool on Twitter. I follow Ryan on Twitter. And at RLJ
2: your underscore law. Um, you'll find me tweeting a little bit about startups, but mostly things that I find funny. <laughs> <laughs> including usually, his
0: kids and funny stories. And
1: yeah, Those yeah. are usually the best follows. Yeah. <laughs> people just throwing their thoughts out there. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, well, that was fun. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, leave us a rating on your podcast app. Subscribe, pass it along. Uh, let us know if you have any questions. Hit us up on Instagram at Up in Your Biz Pod. And we'll catch you next time.